2: and freak out about it just a little bit less.
1: Explore the latest polls, what they actually mean, and whether or not it's time to hit the panic button. Tune into Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber-exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at cricket.com slash friends.
3: Oh, well, okay, well, that's easy. Oh, yeah. and You're a genius. Record, so Thank you. you.
4: <laughs> You're fantastic. Thank you.
3: Hello? Hello.
5: Hi,
4: hi. It's Stan here. How are you going? Hi Stan. This is uh, this is Colin. Hi Colin. And Allison from from Allison, Brooklyn. Hi. hi Stan. Hey. How are you going?
5: I'm Alison Clayman. That's my husband Colin Jones. Recently we called up Stan Grant, one of Australia's most respected and awarded journalists. We wanted to talk to him about an unusual phone call he got back in December 2011. So then Tell us about the Hollywood star. <laughs> as a CNN correspondent in Beijing, Stan got a lot of calls, but not from celebrities. That's why this particular request was so surprising.
3: Christian Bale, the world well, would know as Batman, he got in contact with us and uh, and called our bureau and said, "Look, I've seen your story on Cheng Guangcheng, and I'd like to try to get to meet the man." Mm-hmm.
5: Christian was in China for the premiere of a new film. And he was asking Stan to take him to a tiny village in Shandong province to meet a blind human rights activist named Chen Guangcheng.
3: And we said, well, if you've seen the story, you know how difficult that's going to be,
4: Um, nigh on impossible. The man Christian wanted to see had grown up in a poor farming village. It wasn't until he was a teenager that Chen Guangcheng had learned to read Braille but almost as soon as he did, he started teaching himself law. Then he started challenging local officials on behalf of the rural poor and the disabled. Sometimes he even managed to win. Guangcheng's biggest case involved trying to stop officials in his home county from carrying out a brutal campaign of forced abortions and sterilizations under China's one-child policy. That got him arrested. He spent years in jail, and after he was released, Guangcheng was put right back under house arrest in the same village where he had grown up, Dongshirgu, Guards were stationed outside his home 24-7, making sure that Guangcheng couldn't leave and that other people couldn't get to him. So Stan told Christian to keep his expectations low.
3: And I said, you know, Christian, we're really not going to get to Chen Guangcheng. And he said, well, no, I, I think we should try. And that then began a, a chain of events that started to resemble something out of a Hollywood movie.
5: The first thing Stan and CNN needed to figure out was how to get Christian out of Beijing. As one of the most famous actors in the world, on a press circuit for a new film, the Chinese government was keeping a close eye on him. They made their plans via email. Christian used a secret account and a fake name. Stan and his crew decided they would pick Christian up in the middle of the night. At three in the morning, they drove their van into the bowels of his hotel parking garage.
3: As we drove in, we opened the side door of the van and this hooded figure who was standing in the darkness um, raced across the car park into the back of the van and and we we took off.
5: Stan and Christian and the CNN crew made the eight hour drive from Beijing to Dongshugu. As the sun rose, they watched as the glass towers of the city gave way to a parched rural expanse. Finally, their van arrived at the village entrance a single-lane paved road flanked by bare trees. Patches of snow were on the ground. They got out of the van and were immediately stopped by.
3: A big hulking figure. He was an enormous character. And he was wearing one of those old green army greatcoats and one of those army hats with the red star and the the furry flaps tied up on the side. And uh, he came toward us and um, with... He's other security by his side.
4: They could have been plainclothes police. They might have just been local guys hired to do exactly what they were doing now. Whoever they were, they were not letting Stan and Christian into the village. So
0: can go the village? Why, can I go, why can I not go visit this man? Man?
3: Hollywood actor Christian Bale is used to action, but this is no movie set.
4: This is from the roughly two and a half minute story that CNN broadcast later that day.
3: I turned around at one point while I was trying to fend off one of the security people to see Christian dodging a a hail of, of blows but with his camera out and filming it at the same time. As we leave, the guards give chase in their car. They're still right on our tail. We got back into the car, pursued through the streets. There were several cars pursuing us and others at other Roadblocks trying to intersect us and we were going at great speed down tiny um, laneways and dirt roads trying to find a way back and get out of, um, of the city which we did ultimately manage to do. Christian
4: Bale says this is not what he'd hoped for.
6: What I really wanted to do was shake the man's hand and say thank you and tell him what an inspiration he is.
4: Christian did not get to meet Wang Chung that day but his attempted visit became a huge international story. You can only
3: imagine what Batman confronting Chinese security to try to get to see a blind Chinese activist um, would do. It just lit everything up.
4: Catching all this on the news was pretty surreal. I couldn't quite get my head around the fact that a Hollywood A-lister had run off from his press circuit to go get hit in the face. Probably, inevitably, a lot of the coverage focused on Christian. It was almost like he was both the hero and the victim in the story. The headline I still remember was, Batman, star punched. But of course, that's not really how Christian wanted the story to play. Guangcheng was the hero, and Christian wanted the world to know about him. As it so happened, the world was about to find out. Only a few months after Christian Bale tried to visit, Guangcheng escaped house arrest. Soon he found himself at the center of a diplomatic crisis between the world's two superpowers. And after a series of events that made the bail episode seem trivial by comparison, Guangcheng made it to the United States. Here, he received a hero's welcome. A moment of jubilation and liberation for the blind human rights activist Chen Guangcheng. A New York moment, too, with flashbulbs and well-wishers and their wholehearted support. But after you arrive in America as a hero, what happens to you next? He was becoming
7: a political football. Washington kept coming at him. Many Chinese people who have to escape China feel it's really difficult to have a a new life in a totally different country.
3: He was frequently changing his
0: mind. He was often manipulated. He felt that he was being controlled
4: by the people who were actually some of his best friends.
5: Both sides were just hearing what they wanted to hear. No, he thinks for himself. From Crooked Media, this is Dissident at the Doorstep.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Listen, if you're listening to Pod Save the World, you need some therapy. If you're watching the events around the world that might freak you out, We've got this election coming down the pike, there's a lot of stuff that people uh, are stressed about, that are anxious about, stuff that makes you lose sleep, and therapy can help. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash crooked world. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash crooked world. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local Tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst.
2: and freak out about it just a little bit less
1: explore the latest polls what they actually mean and whether or not it's time to hit the panic button tune into polar coaster with dan pfeiffer cricket's latest subscriber exclusive show to get access subscribe to our friends of the pod community only at cricket.com
4: slash friends back in 2011 we were paying attention to the story not just because of the spectacle of it all Ali and I were especially interested because we had been living in China, working as journalists, and had been making a documentary film about another Chinese activist named Ai Weiwei. Weiwei was an internationally famous contemporary artist. That same year that Christian tried to visit Guangcheng, Weiwei also made headlines around the world when he was arrested by Chinese authorities and held for 81 days.
5: It was really scary when Weiwei disappeared. No one was sure if we'd ever see him again. Eventually, he was released— but the government wouldn't let him leave China for several years.
4: I remember thinking at the time that if that could happen to someone as well-known and connected as Ai Weiwei, what hope did someone like Guangcheng have? Of course, I was totally wrong. Within what seemed like the blink of an eye, Guangcheng was here in New York, living about 100 blocks south of the apartment that Ali and I ended up in after leaving Beijing. During that first summer that he and his family were here, Guangcheng might have been the most famous human rights figure in the world. Everyone wanted a piece. Richard Gere and George Soros were reaching out for meetings. Members of Congress were clamoring for him to come testify in D.C. And he was getting invited to all kinds of human rights galas and society functions. We first met Wang Chung at one of these, a black-tie gala Conde Nast Traveler held at Lincoln Center. That was probably the most glittery event I've been to in the city. Susan Sarandon and Michael Bloomberg were there. I remember standing at the urinal and then realizing that the guy next to me was Sir Richard Branson.
5: Branson was one of the 12 visionaries being honored that night by Condé Nast Traveler for being a global citizen who was changing our world. Here he is on the red carpet.
3: It's the one award you feel really good about receiving because Condé Nast is uh, such a well-respected
0: magazine. Uh...
5: Hillary Clinton and Susan Sarandon also received awards. On the red carpet, Branson and Olivia Wilde, another honoree, posed for pictures.
7: Twitter, Olivia...
5: I just can't wait to meet all of these people tonight because these are the people who are changing the world. Ai Weiwei had also been named a Condé Nast visionary, which is why we got an invite. But Weiwei couldn't be there. He was still not allowed to leave China. So instead, Guangcheng had been invited to accept Weiwei's prize on his behalf. I met Guangcheng in the lobby— right before we all funneled into the theater. He was swarmed by people, and we only got to talk for a few seconds. I think I said I admired him greatly and probably mentioned knowing Ai Weiwei. When Guangcheng accepted the award on stage, I remember being struck by how powerful a speaker he was. It didn't matter that he had spent the previous seven years in detention, and he was speaking through a translator. He easily commanded the audience's attention. Offstage... Guangcheng posed for pictures with Jeffrey Wright and Nicholas Kristof. Seemingly, everyone wanted to shake his hand. I'm a Tom Wolfe fan, and there was obviously something radical chic about the evening. Guangcheng, who only months before had been under house arrest in rural China, was now being feted among the glitterati of New York. But I figured if this earned a little more attention for him and his cause, what was the harm? He'd been fighting for the rule of law in China and the rights of the rural poor, especially women. And it made sense to me at the time that his activism in China was part of a larger project. Guangcheng was one of many liberals around the world trying to right injustices.
4: After so many months of being a news story and an honoree, Guangcheng faded from the public eye. I figured that he had settled into a quieter life, as many dissidents do once they're forced to leave China. As the years passed, I really stopped thinking about him much at all. Soon enough anyway, Trump had been elected president and my attention was swept up in the waking nightmare of how the rest of the decade played out. There was the incessant and vulgar cruelty of Trump's presidency. The climate crisis accelerated and became seemingly irreversible. The relationship between China and the U.S., which had never really been so great, veered toward open hostility. And then, as if in slow motion, we watched as COVID gripped the entire world After all this, I hadn't really thought about Guangcheng for years. But then in August 2020, with a presidential election on the horizon, Guangcheng appeared in the national spotlight once again. This time, though, it was as an official speaker at the Republican National Convention, where he endorsed Donald Trump for re-election. Greetings. My name is Chen Guangcheng.
7: Standing up to tyranny is not easy. I know. So does President Trump, but he has shown the courage to wage that fight.
5: I was shocked. I couldn't quite imagine how Guangcheng had gotten on that stage, or how he'd ended up believing something like this. It just did not square with the man we'd met almost a decade earlier. And then came
4: January 6th. <laughs> Guangcheng was in the back of my mind that day. So, while we were watching footage of people storming the Capitol, I had the thought to check his Twitter account. I'd wanted to see what his take was. And what I found was a series of videos he posted of himself at the rally near the White House, standing amid a crowd as yellow Don't Tread on Me flags waved overhead. Stumbling onto these videos, I was hit again by the sense of bewilderment. I couldn't quite get my head around how, in the span of a decade, Guangcheng could go from standing up against authoritarianism in China to become just another guy at the Stop the Steel rally.
6: I first learned of Guangcheng's activism when I was still a teenager living in China. I have followed his work ever since.
5: This is Yangyang Yang Cheng, a research scholar at Yale Law School and a frequent writer on Chinese politics and U.S.-China relations. She grew up in China and moved to the U.S., around the same time Colin and I moved to China. Yang Yang is going to be our other co-host for the series.
6: I came to the U.S. in 2009 for my Ph.D. in physics. After graduation, I stayed here to continue my physics research. Trump's election and the deteriorating political situation in China shattered my naive notions of the world and my place in it. I read in search of answers, but I found fewer writing from my background or perspective. I felt I had things to say that no one else could speak for me. So I picked up the pen myself. One thing led to another, and after over a decade of working on the Large Hadron Collider, I switched disciplines in the middle of the pandemic to the field of China studies. During all this time, I have paid attention to Guangcheng's story. The Batman incident Colin and Ali brought up at the beginning of this episode, however, was news to me. I think that story slipped my mind when it took place because I had no idea who Christian Bale was at the time. But I do remember being deeply struck by Guangcheng's courage and conviction. I read about his triumphant arrival to New York and then watched him endorse Donald Trump at the 2020 Republican National Convention. Seeing this trajectory felt like the subversion of a fairy tale. Instead of happily ever after, the story ends in heartbreak and betrayal. It also encapsulates much of what has happened in my birth country and my adopted home during my lifetime. I hope that by tracing Guangcheng's life and work, I can relive the years of reform and regression in China that I witnessed but was too young to understand to try to untangle some of the troubled ties between the world's two superpowers.
4: We also have some other big questions, starting with, how did this happen? How did someone who stood for democracy and rule of law in China end up joining an insurrection, looking to overturn a U.S. election?
6: Is Guangcheng free? Is America the land
5: of the free? And what do you do with someone who you feel has betrayed everything you've idolized them for? What do you do with their legacy? So much has been said about Guangcheng and assumed about him
6: by others. But we wanted to get to know the man himself. And to do that, we must try to speak to him directly. That's after the break. Guys,
0: it's been a rough year
6: we heard that Guangcheng would receive a major prize from a conservative organization in the spring of 2022. That would also fall just around the 10-year anniversary of his arrival in the U.S. It seemed like a great opportunity to connect. We had no idea if Guangcheng would agree to talk to us, but we figured we could at least ask in person. So Colin got in touch with the organization that was giving Guangcheng his prize. The Bradley Foundation.
4: Given that we were associated with Crooked Media, which is run by former Obama staffers, I wasn't sure what the Bradley people would make of a media request from me. But after waiting a few days, I got a friendly reply from Bradley's head of comms that all was good. So I was headed to Washington, D.C. The Bradley Prizes were held inside the Great Hall of the National Building Museum, just east of the White House. The room was enormous, flanked by Corinthian columns, holding up a ceiling that must have been 50 feet high. Still, it felt packed to me. I see a lot of blue suits, and as I, as I was saying, a lot of you know, sort of salmon ties, pastel blue ties, very very DC vibe. The crowd was mostly older and white, but not exclusively so. I was eager to see Guangcheng, to see how much he had changed since I met him 10 years earlier. But as I scanned the crowd, he was nowhere to be seen.
5: The Bradley Foundation was not something I was familiar with before we heard about Guangcheng getting this award. Turns out, Bradley is over 80 years old. It's been conservative for all that time. One of its founders was also a charter member of the John Birch Society. But it's really only been in the last two decades that Bradley has emerged as a major force in American politics, helping to shape the conservative agenda at the national level. Bradley has hundreds of millions of dollars in its endowment, and it's lately distributed them to an array of causes. That includes local opera companies, but also ending affirmative action, contesting climate science, union busting, and so-called election security.
4: The Bradley Prize, which Guangcheng would be receiving along with a $250,000 stipend, is part of this larger project. Past winners include Jeb Bush, Fox News's Roger Ailes, and Charles Murray, author of The Bell Curve. For Guangcheng to win a Bradley Prize put him among a noted conservative cohort. I took my seat as the event got underway. Richard Graeber, Bradley's president and CEO, gave an opening address with a slightly menacing edge.
2: Here at home, the battle for freedom is not fought over land, but over ideals. The attacks are not from a foreign enemy, but from within.
4: After Richard... The economist Glenn Lowry, who was one of Guangcheng's fellow Bradley Prize recipients that year, gave a speech decrying the post-BLM discourse on racism in America. The cultural barons and elites of America who run the human resource departments of corporate America, the universities, the movie studios, these powerful people have bought into the woke anti-racism sensibility hook, line, and sinker. Then came Guangcheng. A short video introduction played him onto the stage. Chen Guangcheng was born in a village in eastern China. When only an infant, he was struck
3: by a serious fever, so serious that it left him blind.
7: Growing up,
4: in- Guangcheng's hair had gone salt and pepper since I'd last seen him at the Conde Gala, but he looked elated. After 10 years living in the United States, he was able to give his speech in English, reading off Braille notes he kept in front of him.
7: On May 19, 2012, almost 10 years ago, my family and I arrived in America.
4: After a bit more self-introduction, Guangcheng moved on to his main subject, the Chinese Communist Party.
7: The ultimate objectives of the CCP are to destroy universal values, civilized culture, and individual freedoms of body and mind. The CCP wants to tear down The vast free market economy, its social ethics, and its veneration of the Holy Spirit.
4: One reason I had wanted to attend the Bradley Prizes was because it offered a chance to see Guangcheng in front of a conservative audience. I'd wanted to see how well he'd fit in. And with these comments about the free market and the Holy Spirit, it certainly sounded as if he did. But then Guangcheng also said this.
7: America holds the hopes and dreams of humanity. The Constitution and the rule of law guarantee democracy, freedom, human rights, and social justice.
4: I seriously doubt that in that room full of some of America's most prominent conservatives, there are many other people who would agree that the U.S. Constitution guarantees social justice. But to be fair, I wasn't entirely clear what Guangcheng meant by it either. In any case, it didn't seem to bother the crowd much. They loved him. Chong closed by telling us that we should embrace American exceptionalism, that the United States had to confront the CCP, and that our country was the best hope the world had.
7: Together, we will make miracles. Thank you.
4: They gave him a standing ovation. After the speeches and a panel discussion, a former Navy vocalist in a black sequin dress with a small back tattoo closed out the ceremony.
6: When I listened to the recordings from the Bradley event, this rendition of America the Beautiful stood out. It reminded me of performances of patriotic songs on Chinese state TV. The night revolved around this age-old ideal of America and its greatness. How might a Chinese activist like Cheng fit into this narrative? After the ceremony, Colin brought this up with the Bradley Foundation's CEO, Richard Graber.
4: Is he the, uh, the first Chinese national to win the Bradley Prize? Yes, he is. Yes, he is.
2: And it's a great story. You know, at a, at a time when uh, people are questioning about what's unique and exceptional about the United States, he kind of reinforced it tonight in his comments about what it meant to him to come to this country, land of hope and opportunity. At, at, Uh, just, just a beacon in the world. The United States does lead and should lead and should be proud of its heritage.
6: I think what Richard is saying is that Guangcheng story, or at least the part that the Bradley Foundation prefers to tell, corroborated Richard's belief in American exceptionalism.
4: When I spoke with other people there, I heard similar sentiments. America was right at the forefront of how they had understood Guangcheng's speech. A woman named Sandy Kremers, who said she was Guangcheng's friend, told me every American child needed to hear his message. That way, they could understand what it was like to fight for freedom, rather than have it served up to them on a plate. Sandy went on to ascribe Guangcheng some impressive powers.
3: I was most excited by his use of the word Holy Spirit in his speech.
4: okay, why?
3: Because it's, for his culture, There's really no God, right? There's, you know, uh, religion is opioid for the masses. But even Wang Chen, we've talked about this at length, even though he's blind, he can sense truth. He knows, he hears it, he can sense it, he's searching for it. He knows that there's something beyond what we can see because he's blind.
4: What a difference 10 years makes. I kept thinking this throughout the night. At the Kanye Nast Traveler event, Guangcheng was applauded by Obama-era liberals who wanted to believe that they were doing well by doing good. Tonight, his message was welcomed by a very different crowd. I had an idea of what they thought about Guangcheng, but I was dying to know what he made of the whole thing. And I still wanted to ask for an interview. I wasn't quite sure how he'd react to the request, let alone our whole idea for this podcast. Finally, I got my chance to find out. Hey, you what's, you are, what's your call in? Oh, you uh, know. Chen Yangyang, Yang, give a oh. I went up to him and introduced myself. Yang Yang had already messaged him on WhatsApp that I'd be at the event. I called him Chen Shi, just as she did in her texts. That literally means Teacher Chen, but it's more just like a term of respect. Guangcheng told me that he has been so happy in America the last 10 years, and that getting this reward was an important indication that America accepts him and recognizes the work he's done. After a little more small talk, I made my pitch. I mentioned that we were coming to another, smaller event of his tomorrow, a 10-year anniversary celebration at Catholic University. I asked if that might be a good time to interview him for the show. (coughs) He said yes. That's next on Dissident at the Doorstep. Dissident at the Doorstep is an original podcast from Crooked Media. Our hosts are Allison Clayman, Yang, Yang Chung, and me, Colin Jones. From Crooked Media, our executive producers are Tommy Vitor, Sarah Geismer, and Katie Long, with special thanks to Mary Knopf and Allison Falzetta. Our senior producers are Maria Byrne and Meg Kramer. Mara Walls is our story editor. Our producer is Wu Dan Yan. Our associate producers are Bowen Wong and Sydney Rapp. Translation by Valerie C with additional translation by Yang Yang Chung and Richard Ye. Voiceovers by Richard Ye. Our fact checker is Tamika Adams. Sound design and mixing by Hannes Brown. Original score by Ilan Izakoff and our podcast art is by John Lee.
5: If you like Dissident at the Doorstep and want ad-free episodes and exclusive content from the show, join Friends of the Pod, Crooked's new subscription community, at crooked.com slash friends.